Good morning. <laughs> it's real important that we remember um, that four years ago, or I think it's important for us to remember that four years ago today, uh, there was an earthquake in Haiti. Hundreds of thousands of people were died, displaced, and are still suffering because of that. Uh, again, we have raised over... $16,000 for uh, relief to one of the schools that are there. We are going next month. Uh, you can give online for that or just mark uh, on the envelope for Haiti, and that money will go towards that. We're going to be leaving on the 12th of February and stay there for about 10 days and coming back uh, later that month. So uh, we will let you know how things go, uh, getting a check to Jeannot for that cafeteria. And so again, thank you guys for your continued participation in that. But this is the four-year anniversary, and it's tragic that four years later there are still millions of people who are displaced because of the earthquake. There's still rubble in their uh, town. It is, especially in the capital, Port-au-Prince, it's getting better. And because of people like you, it's getting better. Okay. We are continuing our series, Beginnings, in the book of Genesis. And, and I, gotta, I have to tell you, I, I am loving just all the things that are in this book. I, I think we have done ourselves a disservice by looking at Scripture in a way that makes it very much informational, instead of grasping what was intentional by God. And so we look and we start dissecting things to try and understand and we end up missing the meaning that's there. And we do this in so many ways, even in our terminology, when we say, well, the Bible, we, we lump all these different books into one as if there's just one theme throughout. But there are numerous themes that comprise what we call the Bible. And there are books of poetry, and there are books of history, and there are books of prophecy. And all these books work together to give us an understanding of God's work and interaction with mankind. And the book of Genesis is the launching pad. This is where we begin. This is how God reveals himself. And it's tragic that we have made this revelation all about information and have lost, I think, a lot of inspiration that's there. And so we're going to start reading from chapter 2, verse 4. Last week we went from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 2, verse 2, because th remember, the chapters were put there, and they're not inspired. In fact, a lot of times you'll find that the chapters interrupt the just the ideas that are taking place. And so here we're going to begin in chapter 2, verse 4. If you need a copy of the scriptures, raise your hand. Val can run one to you. But we're going to start reading. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man 
from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We'll get to trees in chapter 3. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onks also are, are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Isn't that great? The first command is you are free to eat. I just thought I'd throw that out. I think that's inspirational. Uh, free to eat any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. As we look at this passage today, there are some things that are familiar from what we saw last week, but it almost seems like this is a whole nother account. In fact, someone came up to me last week and said, you know, in chapter 2, does God recreate everything? Because he already created it, but now he's creating it again. And again, we've got this linear way of thinking where we want to know, okay, how it happened, when it happened, and we want to know the details. But as we talked about last week, God is trying to tell us a story about why it happened. Remember last week we saw that God created and he had the name Elohim. We talked about that name, how God revealed himself in a creator. And we used the word, remember the word? Bara, remember? Klingon. Okay, creator. And then we also saw that he was spirit. And the word for spirit was? Yeah, that one didn't stick, huh? Ruach. Okay, 
And then he also spoke by his word, and we see the word, and that these three comprised who God was, that God was revealed as a creator, as a spirit, and as spoken in the word. And and this was the name that God reveals himself to. And then we saw that God took the world and he made from chaos order. And we saw that he separated Spell it right this time. And we said there was light, there was darkness, there was the land, there was sea. And then the culmination of this creation, he created man. And that it was in God's image that God created him. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Let me ask you, whose image is woman created in? It's in God's. Don't forget that. Woman, you're not created in man's image. You're created in God's image. Male and female, he created them. And so it's real important that this is understood because as we go on to the story, we don't want to lose what is happening here. And, And so we spoke about just this timeline where the creation takes place here and then we're over here and Moses is somewhere right about here, M for Moses. And the story is being told from Moses' point of view back to the garden. It was through oral tradition. It was probably through writings that Moses encountered some of this information. And so inspired by God, he is now giving to us these details. And in chapter 2, it almost seems like Moses got this document and he started recounting more information because he's got this information about where it was these rivers that are there and how things took place chapter one is kind of a big picture and now chapter two it gets to a smaller picture and and some big things happen in chapter two It, it starts off here in verse four this is the account and that word account is the word generations this word usually precedes a genealogy so when he says, this is the account, this is, this is the information that I'm going to give you. And usually the information that is given is a genealogy, who begets who and this line of people. But in this case, he's giving us information that's really important. This is a word that's used to separate themes. And a new theme is being introduced here in chapter two that's really important. The way we deal with other people and with things is going to be kind of illuminated here. When you're talking about something, you'll be the I and it is the it. And so when you have pizza, you say, yeah, it was great. You don't say, oh, he was a great pizza. You are a great pizza. Maybe you do, but you shouldn't. You know, what you do is call that an object, Or maybe it's a car. Well, it's great. I know people give their cars names, but it's still an it. And what we see in chapter one is God is the I and creation is the it. And even though man was made in his image, we see this dynamic where God the creator is the I and everything else is the it. But in chapter 2, there's a new dynamic that comes into play because now God starts to get personal. And in chapter 2, verse 4, it says, 
This is the account, the heavens and the earth, when they were created, when the Lord God made heaven and earth. And so now we get a name, and the name is Yahweh. Make sure I spell it right. I think that's, wait, W-E-H. I'll just make it so it's indistinguishable, and then you can't (laughs) tell what it says. You ever get people who are upset when you spell their name wrong? You know, it's like, oh, Sharon, S-H-A-R-O-N? No, it's (laughs) C-H-Y-Q-R-L-M-N-O-P. It's Sharon, you know, okay. (laughs) Anyway, we now get a name, Yahweh Elohim. God gives us a name, and so now it's starting to become personal. And it gets even more personal in verse 7, when it says, The Lord, Yahweh, God, Elohim, formed man. And this is something that is used, again, to be intimately involved. He's not using a tool. He's not using a hammer and a chisel. He's not sculpting this. It's like a potter with clay. He, he has his hands on this. And then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And so over here, it becomes I, God, and it becomes you. We're not an it. We have purpose. And there's a little play on words that's used with Adam. Adam's name means man. And then the word that's used for the dust of the ground is also adahim. So it's Adam was made from adahim, And it's kind of a play on words. But man's worth isn't the dust of the ground. Man's worth is the breath that is given to him by God. And so trying to find out, well, how was the creation take place? What happened? And when did all these things happen? And, you know, you've probably heard stories about, well, all the elements in the dirt are the elements that make up man. Or maybe you've heard this story that man has uh, one less rib than women. That's a lie. It's not true. Okay. And so all those kinds of stories, trying to find information is missing the point of what's taking place here. It's not about the information. It's about the relationship that is developing between Elohim and his creation. And he takes what was it and he now makes it purposeful and personal. He reveals himself as Yahweh and I am the Lord God. And he gives men his life. He breathes into them his life, the breath of life. Again, that word breath is the word ruach, and man becomes a living being. No other creature is given this breath. They have life, but it is not the same. You know, last week I made a statement about cats and about animals. <laughs> and I said that, you know, animals don't have souls. And, and some were like, oh, that makes me so sad. 
you know, and I even got comments about that, you know, well, that just, you know, my dog, I love my dog. I don't know why it is we think that that makes them less. You see, they still have emotion. They still have purpose. They are still created with just beauty and intention. There's going to be animals in the new heaven and earth. Saying an animal has no soul does not make them any less. But what has happened is we have made ourselves less. I've shared this before that when they talk to high school kids, and I think it would spread, they just didn't do this with older people, but they asked them, if you saw a stranger who was drowning and your dog, and you could only save one, which one would you save? And most of them said they would save their dog over a stranger. Why? Because I love my animal. And you see, what we've done is made the man similar to the animal, or it's just about emotion, but something special is happening here. God is giving into man his life. He is breathing that spirit, that ruach, is now what is giving man this life. And this is where we receive the in image of God. We inhale the breath that God has given us life, and now what we do is exhale, surrendering our lives back to God. You see, science tries to explain the how. It kind of takes this low road of this is what happens and this is what took place. But what's happening here in scripture is really the high road. You see, God created with purpose. It says later on that he he made the trees so that they were pleasing to the eyes. Why is that necessary? See, if we were just machines, if we were just it. It would just be about existence, but it's not about just existence. We're able to see and behold beauty. It's not just procreating. It's not just about having sex. It's about now love involved with this intimacy. God brings more into the picture, not less. And he creates us with this intention, with this ability to grasp the beauty, to see the purpose to understand the dynamics that are there and a part of these things. And and so that's why we care about abuse. That's why we go to aid those who are in Haiti who have been under just devastating circumstances. That's why we are outraged when we hear some stories that are traumatic about people who have been used or abused, human trafficking. We care. Why do we care? Because we've been given something unique, something special. That's why we worry about the questions, what is life's meaning? What happens after we die? Again, I, you don't know for sure, but I don't think my dog is worrying about what's going to happen after he dies. And he's going to go soon. He's 16. But when I look at him, I'm not getting this, what's life about? When I look at him, he's looking, is there any more food? (laughs) There's something different in the creation. Something different is taking place. Why do we create music? Why does it move us? 
Why do we paint? Why do we do art? Why do we, why do we try and bring things that are beautiful? Because we've been created in his image, given his life. In fact, God creates man and then he gives him creative ability. He tells man, I want you to name all the animals. Remember in chapter 1, God named darkness, light, water, land. Now he tells man, I want you to go and name all the animals. And so man does. He goes and he starts bringing these animals before him and starts naming them. And so we see that he continues doing this and God places him in a garden. It's not just a place, a location. It's a garden. And that's important because God is doing something here that is purposeful. And when he made the trees, he didn't just make them good for food. He made them pleasing for the eyes. Machines don't need beauty, but the human soul cannot thrive without it. Have you ever been depressed and a change of scenery changes your mood? I can remember years ago just being in this dark place in our lives, Karina and I, not knowing the future, not knowing what was going to happen. And I was entertaining or asked to possibly lead a church up in St. Helena in the Napa area. And we went up there to just go and talk to uh, some of the people there and meet them and see if this was going to be a fit for us or not. And I remember just being so depressed, driving from upland up to the Napa area. And in that seven-hour drive, six if you're going over the speed limit, you're, I just had time to think over and over again about what's going to happen. What am I going to do? What about the house? Are we going to lose the house? What about my kids? Where am I going to... What am I? My kids are in school. Some of them moved away. All these thoughts. And I can remember by the time I got there, I just felt like I was carrying a lead jacket, just this burden on me. And then I start driving through the vineyards and there's this beautiful green. And you're seeing the grapes on the vines and the hills are just green with these vineyards. And it was as if God was speaking through the things of beauty saying, don't worry. I made this. I'm going to work. Don't worry. And I would feel this burden just lifted off me just by being in this place. And God created things with this purpose and he's revealing his person to us, things that are pleasing. He gives some information about where this garden is to tell us that it's a real place. Now, all this information that's given is also given before there's a flood. So it's not like, you, hey, I'm going to go find the garden. You know, good luck. You know, I, I think it was an intention for us to understand that God is telling a story. God placed man in this place, this garden. He also told man that he had to take care of the garden in verse 15. And so in our earlier view of the earth, there was no human to cultivate the ground. And so that is the job God assigns to, to mankind. He is the earth's caretaker. He is responsible for its cultivation, its protection, its preservation. God entrusted the planet to us. We could probably be doing a better job, right? He's given us this care. And so work isn't a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Sometimes getting to work helps take your mind off of other things. And it gives you inspiration. 
And, and so God puts man in charge. Just like God had created, now man is supposed to take that ability and start to take care of the earth and all the things that are there in this garden. He talks about the trees, and we'll get to those in chapter 3. In verse 18, then, it even gets more personal still. Because God says, it's not good for the man to be alone. God, Elohim, the creator, the spirit, and the word, this community that makes up who God is, sees man, creates him in his image, gives him his life, and it's not good that he's alone. Remember, this takes place before the fall. So man is in relationship with God. He knows God as closely as you can, but it's still not enough. We were created to need others. And so here is man in his relationship to Yahweh, to God. But man needs other relationships. And so God says, it's not good. I'm going to make someone suitable for him, someone that will help him. And then God parades all the animals here, name them. And Adam's saying, yeah, there's, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Giraffe. And there's Mr. and Mrs. Hippo. And then he gets done with them and he goes, wow, they all got somebody. I didn't see anyone who I was interested in. (laughs) And so then God forms woman. And as... God reveals this story and brings woman from man. We see the first words that are ever recorded by man. Now, he must have named the animals. He must have talked before this. But the first recorded words of man are his words to the woman. And the words that he speaks are beautiful. When it says this, it means this one is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of the man. Adam didn't just say these words. He sung these words. This is poetry. It's beauty. Isn't that amazing? All you ladies are going, oh, that's so nice. All the guys are going, oh, poetry again. Ah, But there's this poetic theme that's here. When he sees her, he's overwhelmed and this poem comes out, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman. She's part of my flesh, part of me. I am part of her. And then this poem about the woman is followed by this description of their intimacy, saying that a man will leave father and mother and is united to their wife and become one flesh. And again, this is intimacy. One flesh is talking about that type of intimacy, a physical intimacy. And so this information about creation starts to become very personal. God kisses life into man, gives him his life. When you do CPR for a child, a small child, you, you have to put your mouth over their nose and their mouth to breathe into them because they're so small. 
And, and that's the picture we've got, is God breathing life before this man was just clay. But then God resuscitates him, makes him alive. And then God brings to him someone who completes him. And he's developed this intimacy that takes place with them so that she is taken from man. And this keeps getting into a place where it is more and more personal. This is not God and it. This is now God and you. And my name is Yahweh. I am the Lord God. And I am going to give my life to you. I will breathe it personally. I will form you personally with my hands. You ever wonder why we look different? Such variation, such creativity. God has such imagination. And everyone has such detail. God looks and says, yeah, something's missing on this one. I know. I'm going to give him freckles. And so the creator is at work, but he's involved very personally. You guys, this is a love story. This isn't history. This is poetry about what God has done in giving life to men and then poetry in how God has given to man life and given him life with others. And what we see here in the creation is this intimate life that we now have with God, this this personal and intimate life we have with the creation around us, this personal, intimate life and holistic life that we have with other people are supposed to have, and then assuming there's this wholeness that man has in himself. And this is the beginning. I'm going to conclude with a few comments, but first we're going to watch a short video. Why do you think God had to breathe into us to make us alive? Couldn't he have just spoke it like he did all of creation? Why did he have to be so personally involved and form us and breathe into us? Why does the Genesis account when God gives us life also include this relationship between a man and a woman? that is so intimate. You see, if we don't recognize the scriptures as a love story, we will miss the point. If you don't see this beginning platform as God's launching pad of incredible love, you will miss the point of all the scriptures. This isn't books about information or doctrine. This is a love story. So he tells Jeremiah, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Isaiah, he says, I've engraved your names in my palms. The psalmist says, your love, O Lord, is better than life. First John, he says that God is love. And we see the revelation of this completed in the person of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This is a story of love. Deep, personal, intimate love. Your creator has formed you 
and has given you his life. Now, can we get to that place from here? From where we are in our broken condition, can we get back to a place of relational wholeness with God, with others, and with the world around us? And the answer is yes. We can through Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came. You see, you are never again an it or a thing to Jesus. He has made you, you. It's very personal. And even when forgiving your sin, you're not just a soul that needs to be saved. You're not just a patient that needs to be healed. You are his masterpiece. You are his creation that he has breathed life into. And we get there because of what Jesus has done. Jesus has given us back life. And when we come to him with our heart, we we place our trust in him and he tells us, just like he told all those people, pick up your bed and walk. Go your way. You've been made whole. The story of God begins with God's love giving us life. And the story of God has its culmination with Jesus giving his life. And love is the reason for his intention in creating. And love is why you and I were created. And this is where God begins. This is the story that God uses to tell about his creation. How tragic it would be if this was just about the information and we missed the point of the intimacy that we've been designed to have with God, with the creation, and with the people around us. And as God discloses these things, he wants to make us whole. And so this morning, if you find yourself in a place where this love story seems distant from where you're at, there is the invitation to taste and see the Lord is good. There is the invitation by Jesus, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest and you will find peace for your souls. How do I find that peace? Come to me. The one who has given you life wants to give you life still. And this is our starting point. Isn't that amazing? That this is the beginning. And the beginning is all about God's love and life for us. Let's pray. Father, we can be so unaware of your love around us 
just like we are unaware of our breathing, our need to intake oxygen to give us life. Lord, we can be unaware of the life that you have to give. And we can be unaware of our need for you. And we find ourselves existing and living like animals, like an it. When you are wanting to be more personal, you have given us understanding you are the Lord Elohim. That you have breathed your life into us and made us living souls. That you have created us for this relationship with you. And you give us wholeness when we have wholeness in the relationships around us. Lord, we need to learn all these things. We need to have understanding of these things and live as if they are a reality into our lives and, and stop living as if we are its. We are just cogs in a giant wheel. We are just incidental in the whole theme of things. You have declared in these first chapters, you have put it down for us to forever know that it is because of your love, your life, that we exist. We exist to be in relationship with you, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to exist in harmony with those around us, to love our neighbor as ourself. You've declared this from the very beginning. Lord, may it be clear to our hearts this morning. May we embrace this. If you're here this morning and you would like to know more about this dynamic of a relationship with God, I'd love to talk to you. There are some cards in the back if you don't want to talk face-to-face where you can give us your information, your email, write down if you've made a commitment to Christ or if you're interested in a commitment to Christ and we'd love to get in touch with you. Don't leave this moment without the breath of God overwhelming you that you have been given his life. You've been created in his image with purpose and intention to live in relationship, personal relationship with him. Let's stand together. Alex is going to lead us in the last song. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of the day. Don't forget Wednesday, come on by and say hello to Nathan and enjoy each other's company. God bless you guys.